five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to America.com. My name is Rich Doc Hayden, and I am with... And it is the first week of August. It is steamy, steamy hot here in L.A. It was like, as soon as... We had a... Even though it was a dry July, all things considered, we had a relatively cool-ish July, but man, yesterday and today have been hot. How's it down there? It's scorching. Oof. Oof. I can imagine it's so. Not, well, we're, we're in some... This week is supposed to be okay, but then it's going to be back into the... You know, it's August, so it's supposed to be in the 90s every day. Mm -hmm. With, you know, 80 to 100% humidity. Yep. So you get the, the heat index, gets it on up there. Tell you. 91 feels like 108. Oh, man. I tell you, I the, the thing that I miss the least about the East Coast is the humidity, man. Like, oh, it is awful. I do not miss it for a second. So, yeah. It's rough. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, I, I was texting, uh, speaking of humidity, I was texting back and forth with the colonel. Oh, okay. You know, and he, he's still over there in Qatar. He said the humidity's bad over there. Ooh. He's having some rough. He says it's miserable right now. Ooh. Hot. Yeah. There's just like 118, 119 with the 80, 90% humidity. God. I don't I don't even know how you walk in the streets in that, man. It's so thick. If All you... I was going to say is I hope their air condition is better than ours. Yeah. Holy smokes. I kind of like, I imagine that. I imagine the air is so thick, it's kind of like walking on the moon. You know how like when like the astronauts, they jumped on the moon and they moved all slow and then came back down slow? Man, yeah. that's what that humidity must be like. One of the things that I have always thought about is that for as hot and miserable and shitty as it was in Iraq, Iraq was not Vietnam, and fighting in the jungle in the middle of the humidity in the swamp with all of the bugs and, and all of the torrential rain and all of that stuff, oh, man, I don't know how they did it, man. I'm serious. Uh, you know, I, I know how they did it. How's that? You're in marijuana. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's how they did it. Yep, yep. <laughs> the government's like, oh, they're going to be miserable. You better give them that stuff. Yeah. And they had... They had all their little Vietnamese girlfriends. We had, yeah. <laughs> we got to see the the one woman at the PX, you know, once a week, and that was it. So, <laughs> yep. She worked at the and and for all our listeners, I'm not implying anything. She just worked at the catch register and rang us up when we got DVDs and stuff like that. So, so yep. calm your dirty mind. But yeah, that was that stuff. So. But yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know how they how they did it. and then the, then the cold I don't even want to talk about the cold although the cold would be a relief now so so here we are so we got a couple things we're going to talk about today and the first is the Olympics let's talk about the Olympics first Harp so what do you think what's 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 going on with everything I think it's going pretty smooth mm -hmm. same with it I think our soccer team women's soccer team got knocked out of the gold oh. still trying to win bronze mm-hmm yeah, I did see where the um, so Simone. I guess the, yeah, the I, I did see the the female gymnast how she won a gold medal in her name. I forget at the moment, but I haven't watched too many of the events. But one of the things about this Olympics, it just seems like there seems to be a lot more focus on the controversy of the Olympics than the actual games. So I I kind of 
didn't read too much about Simone Biles um, withdrawing. And I mean, I, I don't know what all the hubbub was. It was, you know, her prerogative. If she feels she can't compete, then, you know, stepping aside is the right thing to do. So, you know, I don't know why everybody got all up in flames about that one. But I did. But again, I also didn't, you know, read the article in depth. So I, I'm not too sure. But I, I think she, well, I think she's going to compete in, in one event. Mm-hmm. I think she said she was going to come and compete in a balance beam, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually tomorrow. So. Mm-hmm. For like the individual medal now. It's not the team, it's the individual. Got it. And I, I believe all the track and field stuff starts this week too, correct? Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm, I'm really watching there. Yeah. They did, they did the, some of the hurdles last night. I was watching. Amazing. I, I always thought hurdles were... Yeah, you know what I think the Olympics should do though? Was that? Like... Two or three weeks prior to when the Olympics start, they should just like select random people that draw to come and compete, so we can actually look at how well these athletes actually train, practice their routines over and over and over again. Because so, I mean, we we look at it, we see them fall. They're like, "Oh man, what are you doing?" You know, so, I don't think people understand exactly how hard it is to get to that level. So you mean bring them over and do like behind the scenes with their training and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. No, like just an average Joe person. Like, so they they asked me to come do the men's butterfly, whatever, or freestyle two hundred swim race. I would never get. I wouldn't get nowhere near the time. Yeah. I'd sink. So yeah, I might I might beat them to the bottom of the pool, but that's the only place I'm beating them. You know what I mean? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless there's a cooler of ice cold beer on the other end of that pool, I might get. Yeah. Get in stride with them. Well, you know, it's tough because if you're going to compete at that level, then you're basically your whole life is competition. Like you're you're counting calories. You are, I mean, not counting calories. I mean, you are basically every single bit of food that goes into your mouth is pre-planned. You know what I mean? You got your sleep. Yeah, it's crazy. I find myself being super judgmental too, mm-hmm. especially in some of the sports that you know. I think I know what I'm talking about here. Oh man. There's no way I could compete at that level. Oh, no way. No way. Yeah, no, no. Even, even like, if you, you and I, back when we were 21, we, we couldn't touch these people, man. Like, no. and I was, I did watch a little bit of the double bars on the gymnastics, and heart, that shit is bananas. What they do, flipping themselves around. Oh, yeah. That is so crazy. And they're, they're, they're up, and they're, and I kind of, I spin around three times just dancing with my daughter, and I get, like, woozy, and I got to sit down. And these people are up there doing that and twirling. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. I don't know. And then they're falling out of the sky and landing on their feet. Yeah, right? Oh, man. Yeah, forget about it. I fall out of bed sometimes. Like, I'll get up in the morning, and I'm like, no way. Help me out. Yeah, no, I don't know how they do it. So, yeah, so it's crazy. So so I got to give a lot of of props to them. But, yeah, yeah, so, you know... Yeah, a lot of the coverage like has been about you know some of the assorted controversies and stuff. I guess I guess every Olympics has those. We kind of forget, but every Olympics has the breakout star, the person that nobody heard of beforehand, who then goes and comes out. And did you see that one? Oh gosh, what was what? What event was it? It was one of the it was one of the track and field events, and it was one of the slightly longer runs. And the woman who I think she was from she was from Morocco or so and. And tripped and fell, 
with about four or 500 meters to go. And she, she fell and then caught up and won. It was crazy. Her. Yeah, that was wild. It was meant to be. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, the politics and it is, it kind of does drive people away. Um, a little bit. You know, I'd actually like to learn a little bit more about the Olympic history because I know during the Cold War, when Russia, so for many years, the Soviet Union and the U.S. were the big competitors at the Olympics and running neck and neck. And, you know, I guess I guess some years the Soviets won more medals than we did and some years we won more. Uh, and I think so there was maybe a bit more, you know, inter-country. And I may be mistaken about this, too, because, I, you know, I, I can't remember the press coverage from like 1984, 88, and 92, but it didn't seem like there was as much domestic controversy as there is now. You know, the Russia, you know, they don't they don't have a flag on their uniforms. They're not called Russia. They're called that ROC or something. Mm-hmm. Russia Olympic Committee. Yeah. That's what will be probably one of the big talking points about this year's Olympics. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's the 2020 Olympics, but it's in 2021. That too, yeah. The, the COVID Olympics. So everything about it is weird. Yeah, and I I do think from from what I have read though for the most part Japan has done the best job they possibly can with the pandemic you know with everything. Yeah, I mean I, I you know I, I hope this will open the eyes of the world see that people are a whole lot more cautious now than they were before. Mm-hmm. So I mean I think the world's gonna survive. This will be good to get back to doing stuff like this more. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Instead of living in your like a hermit crab, all tucked up in your shells. I agree. Well, I hope so as well because you know we got to get moving forward. And you know what? That's an excellent segue into our next topic. And we're going to talk about COVID and the borders. So COVID at the border, COVID in the country, the borders in general. So Harp, go ahead and open it up. So I know you wanted to talk about this. Yeah, I just you know what. Talking about the border down here you know, on the Mexican border. Now, their border patrolmen are seeing a lot of high cases of the COVID coming across. But we keep turning, you know, they're not turning them away. That's a big scare in itself, too. All right. So, I did a little bit of reading beforehand, and the CDC actually extended a Trump era policy allowing for the expulsion of migrants across U.S. borders, citing COVID 19 risks. And this was today. CDC Director Rochelle Walensky signed the order that replaces an October 2020 order. Uh, The CDC said the policy would be reviewed every 60 days to ensure that it is still necessary. The policy allows U.S. officials to send migrants back to Mexico without the chance to seek asylum or other protections in the United States. Now, I'm not sure how much that is happening, but they do have the authority to sense people back. So, I mean, what, what, what have you been hearing, though? Like, like what, what are some of the things that you've been hearing about? Oh, just the mass care, man, still coming through. You know, there's a large number. You know, they can't test everybody. Mm-hmm. There's no way. You don't really know where they're going to be coming across. And I think it would be easier if there was a way we could funnel, and funnel them all through one big location, you know. Mm-hmm. At least screen them and check them. Yeah. Sure they ain't got any other kind of diseases to, as well. Give them a full screen and 
And start starting in the process of being, being here. So, I just pulled up the Customs and Border Protection page. And it has statistics for fiscal year 2021. Fiscal year FY 2021 is going to end on October 1st. And yeah, yeah, they're up. They're up a bunch now. Let's see. Counters uh, are up through. Interestingly, they're up. So three about 310,000 in FY 17, 404,000 in FY 18, 859,000 in FY 19, 405,000 in FY 20. And over a million in FY 2021 to 1,078,000 over 2021. So, well, what's interesting about those numbers is that, okay, they took a big dip in 2020 because of COVID and because the economic activity all stalled. But from 2017, FY 2017 through FY 2019, they were increasingly going up. So they're higher than they were in 2019, but... They were already on the incline, which is kind of interesting. So, I, There's one political thing that I do want to push back, and one thing that the Republicans are doing that I think is a little dangerous, and specifically Ted Cruz. And Ted Cruz said that this explosion in COVID is caused by illegal immigrants coming over the border and spreading COVID. And I, I would have to dispute that. I dispute that on a couple grounds. First, I don't think that the... Uh, immigrants are coming over are any more affected with COVID than we are since we since it's already running around the country. And I think that a lot of these increases are in parts of the country where um, immunization rates are still really low. So, you know, I worry a little bit about scapegoating them for some of the spread in some of these other uh, you know, in some of the states and some of the places where there are low vaccination rates, and even in places where there are high vaccination rates, because cases are going up in LA, if not as quickly as the, the rest of the country. So that's one thing I was a little alarmed to hear, because that's just, you know, not the truth of what's what's going on. Yeah, him, you know, him being in Texas, he's probably got the, the largest portion of the border. I don't know. I haven't really... Looked into all those numbers. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what he would be talking to. Talking about. Yeah, and Texas does have the longest portion of the border of all of the four states that border Mexico. Yeah, Texas definitely has the longer border, longer than you know uh, New Mexico. I mean, they Arizona. may be see, they may be seeing a lot of cases coming across. Well, they might, but you know, again, it's the the point is that um, you know, we got to get everybody here vaccinated because if if everybody. Or, you know, a huge critical mass in the U.S. was vaccinated. We still have issues at the border, but one of the problems would not be the people bringing COVID over because we'd all be vaccinated. So that is a that is a general point that I would like to make. But, um, but yeah, you know, we haven't seen, I mean, I, now granted, I'm, I'm not in tune with a lot of the immigrant communities here in L.A., but we haven't seen a a big influx here. To be fair, if they are coming, I, I probably wouldn't be the first to know. But our part We've of the... We've been tracking the, uh, the, the news stories on the Wuhan lab leak. I have not... any of that? So I have not... I've, I've, I have not been really, really into it, but it is very interesting, and it could potentially be. Yeah. You know? And, That'll be interesting to see what comes out of it anyway. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's... It's interesting because, I don't know, that's one of those things, like, when we started, it seemed, or when this all started, 
it kind of seemed like the consensus was COVID was naturally occurring, came from a bat or something, and then you know migrated to humans or perhaps an animal in this fish market. Now it's it, there may be some there might be some inclusive evidence that it may or may not have come from this lab. I think unfortunately because we will never get an honest assessment out of China. Unfortunately, we're never going to have the absolute truth on that. Like even if it was a like China's not a reliable actor. I'm sure maybe, I bet you the Chinese intelligence services know what happened. You know what I mean? But you know even if it did come from a bat, even if it was a, it came from a bat and this was there was you know nothing that the Chinese government could have done to prevent this. They still won't authorize an investigation into it, and we're never going to know, unfortunately. So, and I want to know because if it did come from a lab, then you know, if it just if it naturally occurred and it just skipped from animals to humans, I I don't think the the Chinese government has any responsibility in that. That's a naturally occurring phenomenon. Country of one point you know one billion people, there's there's no way they can control that. But then, um, yeah, if it did escape out of a lab, then yeah, they have some answering to do. You know what I mean? You know what? what have you heard about it? I mean, I'm just about the same as you. Just there's, there seems like there's new new news every day that comes out about it. I, mean, I kind of feel like it's just kind of getting swept under the rug. I'm like you. I don't think we'll ever we'll ever really know because I don't think it'll ever really proceed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, China is not a transparent country at all. And they're extremely image conscious. And this is, uh, like I said, I think even even if there was a, um, I mean, why they're a strong country, though. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think we we will have a we'll talk about China um, one of these days because they are strong, but they have a lot of they have a lot of weaknesses as, as a lot of structural weaknesses as well. And they might over who knows they might overtake us in the next hundred years. They very well could overtake us and dominate but they also might kind of go the same route as japan in the 80s and, and fade away too you know i don't think so they're it's different there's a much bigger country but they do some things really right and something's wrong but this case of covid this communist party is much more worried about their standing among the population and among the rest of the world than they are about getting the truth out and as a result we will probably i'm well we will i can say we will definitely never know the truth unless like 150 years from now somebody's digging through the old communist government archives and pulls out some paperwork, but by then we'll all be dead and nobody will give a shit, you know? So, yeah. but, you know, so, so we'll see. I mean, again, like it's, and it's hard to know too, because like I said, they could be, they could not, if, if it was transferred from an animal, like a bat or something to humans, uh, this is the kind of thing that, you know, we need to know about to prevent it from happening again. If it did occur in a lab, if it was some bioweapon that escaped, then that's something we need to know, too. But one of the things I think about is the very first person in this chain who is infected. Who knows what they are, who they were, who knows if they're even still alive. But whenever that happened, you know, what, I, I wonder if they could have, they, they couldn't. But if you could, if you go back and tell that person now, like, <laughs> your infection got out and caused this, like, worldwide disruption, millions of deaths. I wonder if they'd be able to believe it. You know what I mean? They just be like, I got a sniffle, I got a cold. Did you see where Senator Graham's got COVID? I did see that, yes. Yeah. And he's quarantining. And he, and he, and he was vaccinated. 
Mm-hmm. I wonder if he got it when all those damn, damn senators or whatever from Texas flew out on that boat in D.C. I don't know. It is, it is crazy. Well, I, I definitely do wish him well. I wish him the best. The can't say I'm a huge fan, but at the same time, I very much want him to recover and be healthy and happy. Well, I mean, if he's been vaccinated, he ought to be good. Yeah, I think so. I think so. The, you know, yeah, he, his chances of recovery are now much, much greater. So I'm actually surprised that we, that more politicians haven't died from this. There was that one representative from, he was a Republican last year, I believe from Texas or Oklahoma, I'm going to double check, but who did die from it, but uh, he's the only one that I know of, actually. So, let's go ahead and seg you into our final topic for the episode, which is crime in the U.S. And crime rates are going up around the country. Just before we started talking, Harp and I looked up the crime rates for New York City for June of uh, this year, and it was a mixed bag. Overall, crime was up 3.1%, but murders were down 23.3%, rapes were up 10.1%, robbery was up 16%, felonious assault was up 0.8%, burglary was down 49.3%, grand larceny was up 32%, grand theft auto was up 31%, so it was very much a mixed bag, which is interesting, but overall, it's kind of trending, a crime around the country is trending upward. Harp, are you, are you seeing an increase down in LaGrange or the area surrounding it? Uh, no, not my little, I haven't seen no huge increase. It's still pretty, it's, you have your traffic stops that catch folks doing stuff they're not supposed to. That's all, I think that's going to always be there. But the uh, we may have a murder a month mm-hmm. around here. Now that's not just like in Lagrange. That's like in the uh, surrounding areas too, right? No, you know, Atlanta. Now Atlanta, there you have the crimes way up in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Hearing about murders all the time up there. Big cities uh, usually tend to have the most anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in LA, we're LA's interesting. So. It's it, it is increasing here, but I guess not terribly bad. But it's it's in certain neighborhoods. So New York's kind of similar. New York's New York's a little more fluid because people ride the subway, and New York is much more of a pedestrian city. L.A. people are in their cars more often. So you go from point A to point B in your car. So you don't come into contact with people on the street in the same way that you do in New York. So, like, there's there's a bit, little more street crime in New York. But even still, in New York, there's still some, you know, really bad areas. But most most of the city is actually really, really safe. It's just if you go to these bad areas is where a lot of the crime is. But if you, like, are walking around Manhattan, you're generally pretty, pretty safe and pretty well off. Um, in L.A., you know, there are certain parts that are, are bad. But, like, you know, where I, my neighborhood is pretty safe, even though we get the occasional, you know, junkie crackhead running by us and, barricading himself in the house around the corner and then they call the ghetto bird and like you have cops and they almost send in the dogs. So that does happen. That does happen. Don't get me wrong. But oh, yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah I think you know what I what I think is interesting and we'll have to see is if these trends are gonna continue 
next year. So is this like a COVID thing? Are we still, as the country gets back to normal and people start, you know, working again or losing their jobs, is this going to get better or worse? Another thing that happened yesterday that might affect this. So yesterday, the CDC ended its rent moratorium across the country. So rent for all these, you know, all the people who, you know, lost their jobs or, or lost their, you know, lost their income during COVID who didn't have to pay their rent now have to start paying the rent and landlords can evict them. So I, you know, I'm curious to see if there's going to be a big wave of, you know, a, a mass eviction wave that will, you know, put a lot of people out on the streets, in which case crime may go up. Or, you know, I have a lot of people been working with their landlords all this time, you know, or maybe, I don't know, maybe a lot of people have already left their apartment and moved back in with like their parents or done other things like that. I think the next two or three months are going to be really interesting. And, and also, I see, but I see businesses around here hiring crazy. Mm. They can't find help still. People don't want to work. I think it's okay to make them go back to work, though. Yeah, it's... the, the, Sometimes, the you know, they just have to swallow their pride. And maybe they don't want to work that restaurant job or taxi driver job or something. But, hey, they're hiring. If you don't have a job, you gotta go. I don't know how, how much the lifting of the rent moratorium is going to affect that. It might. But, yeah, it, it's it's kind of... It's going to be... There's any of the, like, landlords around here, these more country folks, you know, and all these... Rental houses, they still hide their money in a mason jar. <laughs> they, they, they want their money, or else you're going to go. Mm-hmm. You're gonna go. Mm-hmm. You yeah, I think those homeowners, big places, landlords, they still have been paying the taxes on that place, and they still have to keep it up for you. It's costing them for you to live there. Yeah, it's a, it, is a, it is a tough situation all around. I read a really great article about a guy in a, in so he's in a city called Schenectady, New York, which is right next to where my parents grew up, as a matter of fact. It's maybe like two and a half, three hours north of New York City, you know, kind of almost smack dab in the middle of the state. And it was in the New York Times, and they profiled a lot of immigrants from Guyana in the, I want to say in the, it was either the 80s, late 80s or early 90s. A group of Guyanese immigrants were living in the city, and they ended up, they connected with one of the politicians in Schenectady, one of the, like the local mayor or something. And he basically, Schenectady is kind of an old mill town and wasn't doing so well. So he said, you know what, hey, we got a bunch of cheap properties up here. If you come and, you know, you, you buy them and manage them, we'll give you, gave him like a tax break or something, sold to them cheap. So there was a raft of Guyanese immigrants that moved up to Schenectady and bought a bunch of houses and are kind of the, you know, the local landlords now. And the article interviewed one of them and he was saying how hard it, you know, this, this is in like last summer. So maybe like about a year, a little less than a year ago. So, um, and they interviewed him about the moratorium and he said it's really hard, but then they also interviewed one of the tenants and the tenant, like the tenant lost his job, you know, because of COVID. So, like, it was legit, but he was also, like, it was, like, kind of a weird gray area because the, the tenant did lose his job and wouldn't have had any place to go if he had gotten evicted. 
But he was kind of a dirtbag, too, and he was kind of like, yeah, they just stopped charging me, so I'm not paying. I'm just, and he kind of, he was like, I'm not going to worry about it. And, like, um, stuff, like, in the apartment was breaking, but the landlord didn't have money, so, like, they were feuding. It was, it was a bad scene, and it was, it was kind of one of those, how can I say, uh, I kind of felt bad for both sides, even though they, like, hate each other at this point, so you know what I mean? So, yeah, it was just, it was a tough, tough scene, but... Yeah, now I, I kind of, when the moratorium was this yesterday, I thought about that landlord's connected. I was like, oh, man, I wonder if they're going to kick all these people out of their houses now. So, you know, but I think that we're going to be dealing with the fallout from the pandemic for a long time. We're still in it. That's the thing, too. Uh, you know, a lot of people in the mindset, it's done. Like, nope, we're still in it. I don't think it's going to get as bad as it did last winter, but we are still fighting it off. And I think that we're going to be, you know, seeing the after effects for a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah, we'll see, because they, they, you know, they, school starts here next week. Mm-hmm. And all these little kids are going to be going back to school. We'll see if that has any kind of effect. I hope that across the country they resume in-person schooling. The, I mean, I leave it up to, you know, the individual communities know best, but the... We do need to get kids back educated again, so. Yeah, I, I'm supposed to be. We're starting back with no mask around here. Mm-hmm. Our, you know, mask will be optional. All you need, like this, I know that it hasn't hit kids very hard, um, which is good, which is very, very good. Like, the, the disease doesn't affect kids as, as bad as it does older folks, but... Yeah, man. All you need is like one kid or one teacher dying in a school from COVID after the school season, uh, after the school year starts, and then yeah, it's gonna be in any any school, and it's gonna be you know bad news. But you know we'll see. Well, that's what uh, me and somebody were talking about the other day about the difference between you know when polio come out mm. and, and versus corona. You know polio attacked kids, so that's why everybody was a lot more worried about the polio than I think they are. Harp, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that if COVID had been the opposite, where it really affected kids versus old people, the country would have shut down in a minute. You know what I mean? And yep, and you and and yeah, yeah, yep, you and I both. We would have, we would have happily sucked our kids out of school. So if like. If, yeah, if it was, like, highly transmissible and it was killing, like, you know, 1% or 2%. Because, like, yeah, the, I, something like, I forget what the exact numbers were for the elderly, but, you know, the nursing homes, it was killing, like, 50% of some residents in nursing homes. Like, if, yeah. like, COVID was tearing through an elementary school and killing 50% of the kids, we would have been living in a state, like, all of us would have been living in a state of absolute terror. Like, we, it would have been... It would have been like the fucking Twilight Zone, man. Like everything, things shut down, but it would have been even, even worse. So, yeah, man. No, I'm, I agree with you. I agree with you. I've been saying that since the beginning. I was like, yeah, if it was the other way around, then. So. Yep. Well, on that note, Harp, you got anything else? That's it. All right. Last Everybody thing I got. Stay safe. Stay safe. Yep. I'll say stay safe. Get vaccinated. I know, Harp, you haven't got yours yet, but get vaccinated to everybody else. And we want to see you again next week. We want everybody to listen. So, so all right, Harp, thank you again for a wonderful episode. Amen. And we will see you all next week.